Revolutions Per Minute is a weekly radio show from the New York City chapter of the Democratic Socialists of America, recorded live at WBAI 99.5 in Brooklyn every Tuesday at 5. RPM is about doing the work, the work to build a democratic socialist future. Every week, hear the latest news, analysis, and organizing experience from the minds and hearts of activists fighting every day in NYC. Join the movement at socialists.nyc. Yo, it's Good New York. This is Jack Devine, he, him pronouns, and you are listening to Revolutions Per Minute, live on 99.5 FM from the new WBAI studios. We're a socialist radio show and podcast for members of the New York City Democratic Socialists of America. The DSA is the largest socialist organization in the United States, with 56,000 members nationwide, and NYC DSA is its biggest chapter. We are run by our 5,500-plus members and organizers who are working together to build democratic socialism in all five boroughs. Oh, what a night. After last night's democratic debacle in Iowa, today we're joined by NYC DSA endorsed candidate Farah Safran to discuss her grassroots campaign to represent the 57th Assembly District of Prospect Heights, Fort Greene, Clinton Hill, as well as parts of Crown Heights and Bedford-Stuyvesant. We'll discuss the real issues facing working-class New Yorkers and how a socialist organizing strategy can improve people's material conditions, as well as build worker and tenant power in our city. Later in the show, we'll have a more thorough breakdown of the election results in Iowa. But before diving into our interview, we want to briefly update our listeners on the election, uh, on the results of uh, last night's uh, caucus in Iowa, in which Democratic Socialist Bernie Sanders likely won. But we're still waiting on official data from the Democratic Party. Bernie Sanders, earlier in the day, released um, an updated total uh, from the Iowa caucus, his internal data, in which Sanders was leading with 29.4% of the vote, and Pete Buttigieg had 2487 while Elizabeth Warren had 20.65%, with Biden with uh, 12.92%, and Klobuchar with 11.18%. Uh, the data from the Iowa Democratic Party should be released um, within the hour, so we will keep you updated on that. But now let's go to a reading of the headlines uh, brought to you by The Thorn. Over 500 people gathered in Grand Central Terminal to protest escalated police presence on mass transit. Earlier in the week, new fare evasion data showed that NYPD has higher enforcement rates in high-poverty Black and Latinx neighborhoods. A new independent union representing hundreds of city council staffers has asked Speaker Corey Johnson for recognition, which he is expected to do. Housing activists are renewing a push to pass state Senator Julia Salazar's good cause eviction bill, and they released a poll showing that a majority of New Yorkers support the legislation. State Senator Brad Hoylman, District 27 in Chelsea, has proposed a bill that would ban law enforcement in New York State from using facial recognition software. 
Climate activists, including NYC DSA's eco-socialist working group, disrupted a budget hearing in Albany, demanding that the state raise taxes on the wealthy in order to pay for decarbonizing New York's energy system. A mayoral commission proposed a major progressive restructuring of property taxes in New York City, but the recommendations will need to be approved by the city and state legislatures, the mayor and governor. Assemblymember Richard Gottfried of District 75 in Manhattan and State Senator Gustavo Rivera of District 33 in the Bronx introduced a bill to prevent hidden fees at hospitals. Both co-sponsors are pushing the bill as a partial solution until the more comprehensive New York Health Act gains more support in Albany. The city's reliance on using commercial hotels as homeless shelters has surged, despite a 2017 plan from the de Blasio administration to eliminate the practice by 2023. Conditions and services at such hotels are often uneven and of poor quality, with families uh, with children disproportionately affected. City Council Speaker Corey Johnson and Council Members Brad Lander, District 39 of Park Slope, Antonio Reynoso, District 34 of Williamsburg, are crafting legislation to mandate the creation of citywide comprehensive plans every 10 years after such a proposal was left out of the charter revisions in 2019. Mayor de Blasio balked at his own expert panel's recommendations to remove traffic lanes from the BOE as it undergoes repair, citing a concern for increased traffic jams, despite research showing the opposite occurs when such lanes are removed. The Department of Transportation announced a plan to add 30 miles of new protected bike lanes in 2020, with a particular focus on Brooklyn, as 17 of last year's 29 cyclist deaths in the city happened within the borough. And in election news, council members Justin Brannon, District 43 of Bay Ridge, and Helen Rosenthal, District 6 of the Upper West Side, are headlining a new wave of New York State politicians endorsing Bernie Sanders for president. Rosenthal is running for comptroller in 2021 against council member Brad Lander of Park Slope, who, despite calling himself a democratic socialist, endorsed Elizabeth Warren. Less than two days after Rafael Espinal resigned his city council seat, the Brooklyn Democratic Party endorsed Dharma Diaz to replace him in a special election that is scheduled for April 28th, the same day as the presidential primary. Diaz is a Democratic district leader and ally of Assemblymember Eric DeLon of Bushwick, and she recently helped elect Rodney's Bichot to lead the Brooklyn Democratic machine. Community organizer Sandy Nurse dropped out of the Assembly District 54 race to run for Espinal's now-vacant City Council District 37 seat and received an endorsement from Make the Road Action shortly after doing so. With Edwin Delgado also suspending his campaign in AD 54, DSA endorsed Boris Santos as the only challenger to incumbent Eric DeLon. The Tenants Pack endorsed Corey Johnson for mayor in 2021. CWA endorsed 10 incumbent assembly members, including several who are facing progressive challenges, including Joe Lentall, Catherine Nolan, and Aravella Simotis. And finally, DSA endorsed 2018 gubernatorial candidate Cynthia Nixon published a piece in The Nation endorsing DSA's NYC legislative candidates. 
Uh, thank you, Simone Norman, for a great reading of our daily headlines, which are brought to you by The Thorn, an incredible weekly newsletter by NYCDSA Electoral Working Group covering local politics and radical activism. Subscribe at thethorn.nyc. Um, so before we uh, dive into our interview with Ferris Affront Forrest, I just want to update our listeners on the official totals that are being put out um, by the Iowa Democratic Party, with 62% reporting. Bernie Sanders leads in the popular vote with 28,222 votes to Pete's 27,030 votes. But because of the um, idiosyncrasies of the uh, delegate process, Pete has a slight lead over Sanders in the delegates for the Iowa caucuses. So we will uh, keep you updated on that as new information arrives. But let's turn towards our interview for the day. So, um, Farah, I just want to thank you so much for, uh, for joining us. Thank you, Jack, for having me. And thank you, everyone. So uh, we're really excited to hear about your campaign. Um, but first, we also want to like dive into your past experiences before um, arriving into electoral politics. So how have your experiences as a union nurse and a tenant organizer transformed your politics? And what forces pushed you to move, uh, join the movement uh, for socialism? Okay, thank you. Uh, so uh, before I joined, um, well, I decided to run. I was basically, I always called myself an activist, but um, I really worked more in housing. In 2016, my building was going condo, and it was very, like, just abruptly put on us. And as long-term tenants in the building, we were very shocked um, by this just offering plan dropped in front of our front door. And um, after reading it, I knew as rent stabilized uh, tenants, we had the right to stay and remain rent stabilized. But the fear tactic was to basically divide and conquer the building. And I just couldn't stand for that. And so um, that led me to calling the first tenant association meeting and then um, really organizing my building to form an action against our landlord. Um, we saw that we, we through this um, organizing, through the organization of our building, we realized that this is not a situation that we're facing alone. Like, we're one in many buildings that are going condo. And this tactic to basically sell us off um, and break up the building and break and basically um, destabilize these apartments really um, said that we can't do this by ourselves. So then I called out to the Crown Heights Tenant Union. Um, well, one of my tenants did. And, you know, he welcomed them on and they were really helpful. And then we then joined Housing Justice Coalition, Housing Justice for All Coalition up in state, up in upstate New York to then uh, really make known that this issue um, that rent stabilized tenants was not just something in Brooklyn or in New York City, but this is a issue that all tenants face in New York State and there needs to be a big push for it. And so um, in on June 4th, uh, we had a rally that was supposed to be peaceful very quiet. <laughs> we told the cops we were coming. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
But it ended up turning into something very ugly. And um, we were proposing the nine bills, um, one of which did not pass, the good cause eviction bill. Um, But we were up there basically like, listen, this is something we want, and we're not taking no for an answer. And it turned very ugly, and uh, eventually I got arrested. Um, But on the ride home, I reflected on the experience, and I was very happy to see so many people. There were, there was uh, Diana Richardson was standing with us, and she was like the only elected official that was there with us, standing behind us. And I was very proud of the the accomplishments, but I was sorely disappointed to see that I was literally fighting for my right, fighting for my right to live in my home, and that. That was unacceptable, and we need more elected officials that understand that housing is a human right and not a luxury. So you were dealt with a a direct attack by capital, more specifically the real estate developer that owned the building that you lived in, Mm -hmm. and you recognize that in order to actually, you know, just preserve your way of living that you had to organize collectively and build power and, yes. and fight back against that interest that in of yourself, you couldn't fight this real estate developer because they owned the building, but with the other tenants, you could collectively organize and build power. So this is really kind of reshaped um, or at least maybe not reshaped, but reinvigorated you to get directly involved in the movement um, to build working class power. So why did you join DSA in particular? And what ways do you see DSA as a mechanism for building working class power? And how does racial justice inform your politics? Okay, so in essence, I joined DSA because um, in 2016, I heard about Bernie, right? And he's a socialist, and I thought, here, okay, he's an old white man I can get, you know, with, (laughs) I can vibe with. Um, And Bernie's theory of change sounded uh, pretty similar to the black socialist that I grew up with. And he consistently called out capitalist thugs to make amends for their crimes against black, brown, immigrant, LGBTQ, poor, underpaid, overworked, masses and DSA backed him up and then backed up the AOC who I think is like the best thing since sliced bread (laughs) (laughs) plus she's from the Bronx (laughs) Um, also I went to some meetings and thought that these people were pretty bad pretty badass And that one's all right. <laughs> that's an okay word. <laughs> and like they were really about it. They were really about the struggle. And I go hard for housing and I go hard for healthcare and I go hard for education. And these human needs for me are basic human rights. And the people in DSA had the same idea. So it didn't take long for me to join and learn and work with people who care. I've been active for about for the past year, and I really look forward to working with them to continue to grow the working class power in Brooklyn. Yeah, I think you've been um, hitting upon like all these reasons why you got 
in the mm-hmm. fight and why you feel it's really important to um, build working class power and then have working class people represented in the state with people who are organically from those struggles. Um, could, but can you just expand a little bit why you um, decided to run for office and maybe specifically in the 57th uh, district, uh, the assembly district here in New York? And like, what differentiates your socialist electoral campaign from a typical maybe corporate Democrat who is running for office? Um, so I decided, so as I mentioned, and I went up to Albany last June to protest for the rent laws. Um, but after I got arrested, I just, I had been approached already to run for office, but I really, at the time, I was like, mm, I don't really think this is going to work. Me, <laughs> <laughs> but on that ride back home on the bus, I... It, it, really got me upset because again like I said there was only one elected official that was standing with us and um I truly believe that my incumbent has been absent in the fight um he's with the central with central brooklyn being so gentrified and really this lifestyle is being portrayed like this is the luxurious lifestyle but on the backs of who, who you know when you're coming in who's coming out right and He's been largely absent in the fight, and he's been found to be on the wrong side of the track um, sometimes, too, and especially in terms of housing. So it just made sense to me, like, okay, you're not going to do this by yourself. You're going in the fight with a group of people. You're going in a fight with an idea that, at the end of the day, this is for the people. Like, this is something that we need, I need, you need. No one cares. Nobody wants high rent to pay high rents anymore. Like this, it doesn't make sense for who, for what you can't justify it anymore. And so that's where I felt like, you know, having someone like me, having me who understands that struggle, it's super important. Like I want people to see that this campaign isn't necessarily about Ferris who fought for us, but about a, a, an actual organizer fighting and stepping up and saying, listen, this is, this is, we're done with this. And so this is why it's so important that I identify as a socialist to make sure you understand that this campaign is different. So, um, when we talk about how a socialist campaign is different from a corporate campaign, um, the idea is we're putting power back in the hands of people. So first of all, our conversations are completely different. When I knock on people's door at doors, I'm not only bringing my pamphlet saying, hey, vote for me, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm bringing issues, right? Because I want you to know that your issues are going to Albany, not just me. Right. So when we're canvassing, we're talking about housing. We're bringing up health care, Medicare for all, which, you know, single payer. That's the new wave. Right. And then the idea that unions matter, that climate change, like there's these things that sometimes are talked about, misrepresented. These are why these these issues are important to our community. And here is why AD 57 needs to be the center of it all. And consultants can't do that. Okay. Um, and then the second part of, um, our campaign and why it's different is just who is sending out the messages. You know, the people who are knocking on your door are actual working class people. They're not paid canvassers. They're here 
to bring news to you of something that they've heard and that they feel personally passionate about and that they're bringing it to your attention. And as a resident, as someone who is part of the community, this is something you should care about. So rather than maybe sometimes uh, a regular corporate Democrat will pay lip service to certain Mm -hmm. issues, the organizations and the money that is backing them is actively um, working against the the material conditions of working people in this country that many Democrats are backed by real estate capital Mm -hmm. while you are backed by organizations that are rooted in building worker power and expanding um, not just like the services that people have, and that's so crucial because that does empower people, but um, giving them an opportunity to build organization that they can fight for themselves. You are rooted, you've been rooted in the struggle as opposed to a candidate that maybe has moved up, has socially climbed up the um, party bureaucracy to be the proper representative a representative of trying to like say they're balancing things for everyone, but they're really working on behalf of capital. Um, and you mentioned uh, something I think is really uh, distinct about many DSA candidates is that you have history as an organizer. Mm-hmm. So what is your organizing strategy for this campaign? Um, and in what way are you working with the other candidates on the NYC DSA slate? All right. So as far as how, I'll tackle the other question first. <laughs> um, how I'm working with the other DSA candidates, like when we say like we're working together, like we really do work together. I mean, Jabari, Marcella, Boris, and Zoran and I, we, we talk every day. We text every day. We're planning together. We're building policy together. We just dropped the decarceration platform policy that we worked on together. I mean, like sit there sentence by sentence you know so we really because we know that we're bringing not only ourselves but we're bringing this socialist slate to albany um that we are very much understanding that we're going to work collectively i mean we have assembly um members and we will have senators that will um support this idea of we've got to put the power back in the working people's hands so we work very well together we fundraise together we canvas together i we probably gotta put, get an apartment together one of these days <laughs> <laughs> um but in terms of how we bring back organizing to to albany well your organizing strategy like how in what ways are you like what's your strategy to win like how are you relate how is organizing connected to your broader um, goals. Okay. So we're not going to forget any part of this district. Okay. We're going to take our case to everyone in district, whether you live there for one year or 50 years. I don't want to think anybody to think that, you know, this is a party of gentrifiers (laughs) or this is necessarily um, idea that, you know, it's just for people who've been, in the neighborhood and been vested. Anybody who lives in the neighborhood deserves to be a part of this campaign. And so we're knocking on doors every day. I think our numbers now, we've been canvassing for a while now, so we've been knocking on 9,000 doors. And I think that strategy has been very effective to making sure people understand that we're in the community, that there's a new face, there's a new voice, and that it's not an exclusive voice it's an inclusive voice and that they can step in at any time 
and join in. It's about a process and in both the terms of your organizing strategy and then talking about your relationship with these other candidates, it's about this collective mm-hmm. process working together to kind of, you know, obviously you're, everyone wants to improve their own conditions, but doing it rather than antagonistically and competitively, it's about everyone coming together you know, working towards this collective project. Uh, and I just want to remind our listeners that you're tuning in to Revolutions Per Minute on listener-sponsored WBAI in New York City, broadcasting at 99.5 FM and streaming on your favorite podcast app. To connect with us after the show, you can email us at revolutionsnyc at gmail.com. You can find us on our website at revolutionsperminute.simplecast.com or on Twitter at NYCRPM. Today, we're talking with Farah Safrant Forrest, who's running for um, assembly, uh, a, st- a seat in the assembly in the 57th district. And we're gonna, I'm gonna elaborate a little bit of this, uh, later in talking about the really crucial role that independent media plays. But I just want to highlight the fact that we're having someone like Farah on is what makes WBAI so distinct. So if you're tuning in the show and you're liking what you're hearing, um, commit to become uh, a buddy to our show or go to give number two WBAI.org. That's give to WBAI.org. If you want to hear more content like this, WBAI is our station. It's publicly owned, it's community run, and is representing your interest here in the air. Communities that you're not going to hear from on CNN, MSNBC, or NPR for that matter. Um, so I really want to center this in our conversation later, but I, I just want to remind our listeners that WBAI is such a crucial institution in our city, and we all have to fight for it. So go to give to WBAI.org um, whenever you get the chance. Uh, so let's get back to um, some of the bigger issues that are important to your campaign. Like what what are you centrally fighting for? Like what is the central issues of your campaign? You mentioned uh, single payer health care here in New York, good cause eviction. How would these proposals and the broader socialist policy platform transform the lives of working class New Yorkers? Okay. So I didn't get to mention this, but I am a union nurse. Um, not only am I a union nurse, but I specifically work in the field as um, like a visiting nurse, and I do ch- maternal child health. So I think this is important to note because this has shaped a lot of how I feel about these different issues. All right. When I say I, su- I fight for New York, the New York Health Act, which would provide a single payer, you know, more insurances, just one payer to guarantee not just affordable, but free health care is because I visit patients every day. I see them in their homes. And to tell someone who is a single mom just had a baby. Oh, yeah. By the way, don't forget your premium, your three hundred dollar premium. That's ridiculous. Or even just a copay. No, I don't believe that. And that, and that is, and then on the broader scale, seeing how this for-profit system has really affected our patients and their outcomes. Um, you know, an insulin pen, I believe the last time I checked was 300 something dollars. Like, why are we paying for insulin, which is a necessary drug to survive, especially for people with diabetes? And 
I just think that this this system of making money off of people's health, this is ridiculous. So um, I also want to, when I... When I, when I get into office, we'll fight for the good cause eviction bill. Um, a good cause eviction. Um, when you think about your house, right? You work to go home. Your home, right? You're paying rent. Why should then your landlord think to himself, oh yeah, it's time to you go to leave this place because we have somebody else who can pay more? Or somebody else that looks different than you or I just want this for my niece or nephew. I don't care what the reason is, but it has to be a good reason for you to tell me to leave my home, the place that I've lived for one year or the place that I've lived for 50 years. It doesn't matter. I've invested in this space. I put the picture on the wall. This is my space, right? And then going into why housing and climate change is important. I mean, the land that we're living on is not guaranteed if we continue to abuse it. So climate change, understanding that we need, especially I think about places like NYCHA, oh, how are we going to build up NYCHA? Well, we need to reinvest in NYCHA, but then we also need to invest in it in to, to build a more sustainable and efficient future for other people you know, that want, might want to live in this um live there it's it's not just for today but for tomorrow so we need to really factor in climate change and this idea of building a better future and then um unions i like i said i'm a union nurse right <laughs> when i joined the union when i joined nizna okay i was hype okay i had protections but that's not the case for everyone and even if you are part of a union sometimes these protections get looped get watered down because of some of these other um because basically the prof the the idea is to make money right and not to make sure you have a uh, a life that is digni dignified right so i want to strengthen unions and i really do want to make sure people have the right to strike especially in the public sector but shh, don't tell anybody <laughs> <laughs> we won't tell any of your bosses <laughs> right <laughs> uh, but yeah so those are some of the things that i care about i think i think you hit on just a, a, a a huge swath of very critical issues and crucial policies that would really change the lives of people who live in the city who are like every day kind of drowning in the excesses of the ruling class of capital and these powerful forces, whether it's finance, capital, real estate corporations and um, developers or just kind of the, the broader corporate executive elite that is, very much centered here in this city. These forces are opposed to your campaign and the broader socialist movement that is trying to prioritize rather than, as you're saying, uh, money, which is the, the, at the center of how decisions are made in our society, thinking about use, what people need to survive and to thrive in their lives, whether that's housing, whether that's public energy that is cheap and affordable for people, whether that's good and quality health care that is free at the point of service, so how do you, um, like after you win, how do you plan to use your power as an elected official to aid the social movements in further building working class power so that we can attain this good quality life that we're all fighting for? Again, I think from the time that I stepped into 
this political arena, I said that I wasn't going to take corporate dollars. I'm not going to take real estate money. And that's because when I get to Albany, I want to to be very clear that I'm not here for any sort of private interest. I'm here for the public interest. So when I go to Albany, it will be with this coalition behind me, coalition of people who care about the for, about the um the the ecology about housing about healthcare about think these very basic rights these very basic needs that need to be guaranteed so when my when i go to albany um i know there will be people that will block right there are people that won't want that because their interests have been rooted somewhere else but this is why when i come back to the district it will always be hey I have an open door policy. I'm here for you. Please. I am a politician. My job is not only to give beautiful speeches. It will be here to listen to you. Please um, give me your ideas. Send me to Albany with you guys. Because um, I've seen, you know, Julia Salazar and what she's been able to do. Just one person. Now imagine five more candidates throwing in the saying the same things people first profits never okay so um i think with this and making sure that people understand that this is a socialist leader that you know we're not here to take we're not here to make concessions we're here to demand the full thing um and not being ashamed of it and not trying to hide it not being discreet with it will be what will be the dif- the, the the difference between me just showing up and being pushed aside to me showing up and actually pushing back and winning. Like your 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 office, uh, your elected office, will be kind of a a place to project the movements that are already help, happening and help them build more and more power and gain more legitimacy and also push through legislation that mm-hmm. will help them really um, achieve, I guess, not just their aims, but your aims as well. And I think that's a uh, really something that's a potentially really exciting. But as you're saying, something that is already happening in terms of Julia Salazar's office, but with a whole slate in there, it could completely transform the way that politics is done here in New York. Um, so um, I hope you're going to stick around if you can for the, the rest of our show. But before, um, we move on to our next couple topics, whether that's the Iowa caucuses and also just kind of, I want to really center the importance of uh, WBAI for these social movements. Um, how can people learn more about your campaign and how do they get involved? Okay. So. First of all, you need to hit up my website, <laughs> Farah for Assembly. That's P H A R A for, not the number four, F O R Assembly. <laughs> <laughs> Different um, than here. <laughs> and um, there you'll be connected where we're looking for canvassers. I mean, again, canvassing is really about you and your issues. So our canvases are for you to bring your messages to the community. We're looking for volunteers. We're about to open up our space soon. So we're going to be looking for people to enter data, pick up paper, put them down. I don't know, put them everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But then also we need also fundraising. These, this, when I say like this campaign is about you, um, it needs your contributions as well. So please, please uh, hit the donate button. 
there and contribute what you feel is necessary to move this socialist platform to Albany. Well, um, we're very excited about your campaign and we're definitely going to keep our listeners updated on what's happening on the streets in these canvases. Um, and as things progress, uh, hopefully we'll have you back on again, uh, as well. And, um, I mean, we're, we're open to, um, hear from your opponent, Walter Mosley. We've uh, reached out to him. If he wants to have a debate, we're happy to do it. Um, so that could be something you're hearing in the future here on Revolutions Per Minute. But I just want to remind our listeners that they are tuned in to Revolutions Per Minute on listener-sponsored WBAI in New York City, broadcasting at 99.5 FM and streaming on your favorite podcast app. Connect with us after the show. You can email us at revolutionsnyc at gmail.com and you can find us on our website at revolutionsperminute.simplecast.com or on twitter at nyc rpm today we've been talking to ferris affront forest about her race for a state assembly seat in uh, district uh, 57 and now i just want to tune uh turn to the radio station that we're on this uh place is really just crucial part of New York City history, of the counterculture, and of the left. This is a place you can go to to hear the sort of news and analysis that you will not hear on corporate media stations. They won't they they would not have a candidate like Farah come on their shows. But what we're doing here is we're actually connecting our listeners to the real fights, the real struggles that are happening both here in New York City and across the globe. Last week, we had uh, the a former head of the International Department at the French Unions talking about what's going on in uh, France right now with its longest general strike in 50 years. I haven't seen anything about that on CNN or MSNBC and I don't think NPR either. So you're not getting any coverage of the real fights, whether it's in France, Chile, in Puerto Rico, in Lebanon. There's been a global uprising this year, and the place to hear about that is WBAI. So the station is part of this community. It's publicly owned. If you become a member, you have democratic voting rights to shape the direction of the station. And if this is a program, Revolutions Per Minute, that you are a big fan of, um, Go to WBAI.org forward slash BAI buddy dot PHP and you can make a commitment to this show that you're become a buddy to the station. You make a monthly donation. You become part of the WBAI community. And with that, you're, you're showing your support for this show, for the station, and that you want to hear more content like that we're talking about today or as last week with talking to the um, French union leader as well as museum organizers here in New York City. We're bringing you a broad range of coverage. So if you want to show your support and solidarity with WBAI, independent media that is fighting for the truth and spreading the word of the people, go to www.give2wbai.org. Again, that's www.give2wbai.org. Or if you want to call in to the pledge number, that's 516-620-3602. Again, that's 516-620-3602. And... Uh, 
Farah, I would love for you to you know share your feelings on the importance of independent media and working class institutions like WBAI that represent the people on the airwaves. Yeah. Um, so I'm Haitian, and uh, one of the things that I remember my dad telling me when I was younger, and even hearing from uh, history books, is that when when your president is literally locking up journalists and um, shutting down radio stations, burning newspapers, whatever. It's that's that's when democracy ends. That's when um, stories can't be told. That's when the other side can't be heard. And when you shut down independent media or you block them off or you don't allow them to thrive, then that's when conversation ends. You can't have real democracy without real conversations. People have to have the other side. And this is why stations like WAI or Revolutions Per Minute must survive. Like they must not just survive, but thrive. We need people to understand that this is, this is credible sources of, a credible source of news and a credible source of, of a credible, a place where people can share opinions and understand how the other lives. And so I am completely supportive of independent um, news sources. And it's just amazing that I get to be here. Like, seriously, this is this is what we are about. This is about power to the people and the people have to have a voice. And it's places like this that it can happen. Thank you so much for sharing that. I, I couldn't have put it better myself. And just uh, one last time for our listeners, that's you can go to www.give to wbai.org. So now we're going to uh, turn to the um, debacle in Iowa last night. Um, but I, I also is, I think it was an encouraging night um, for the Sanders campaign if you look beyond all the noise. And we'd love to hear from our listeners about what they think of the results uh, last night as they're coming in now, what their thoughts about the Democratic Party are, if they want to talk about uh, socialism or Farah's campaign or, um, you know, we want to hear or if you have, you're having an issue in your home or with your boss, we, we'd love to hear from you. So we have about, you know, 10 to 15 minutes left in the show. So this time we'd love for you to call in. And that number is 212 Two zero nine two eight seven seven. Again, the number is two one two two zero nine two eight seven seven. So uh, I just want to go back and give an an update on these results that are coming in. You had earlier today, um, Bernie Sanders released his precinct numbers uh, that had. Him up 29% to 24 of Pete Buttigieg. And then you also have these uh, other incomplete numbers that are coming in from the Democratic um, Party in Iowa, in which Bernie Sanders leads in the popular vote. Um, he's got a total of 20,220 votes to Pete Buttigieg's 27,030. The delegate numbers are... Still up in the air, uh, where you have technically right now Pete Buttigieg is slightly ahead with 62% reporting, but I think it's really important to notice that a lot of big Bernie precincts are left to report, um, in places like Blackhawk, Polk, and Scott. Um, I could pretend I'm very familiar with where those places are, um, but I'm not an expert on Iowa. 
Uh, I would. Uh, so we would love to hear for your thoughts on uh, the election news last night or if you want to talk to Farah about her campaign if you have any questions for her and I think one really important thing to note that happened is that Joe Biden has had a disastrous night the supposed front runner is uh, in fourth place and he's not looking too good while Bernie looks to be in the lead or tied in the lead with a big week ahead in New Hampshire, where he leads the polls by 20 points. Uh, we have a caller live on WBAI. Hey, you're on Revolutions Per Minute. What's your name? What's your question or comment? Hello. Hi, my name is Kat. Um, so I just have a comment. Um, I am a Bernie supporter, and I've worked on his 2016, and this infuriating and frustrating to see uh, the Democratic Party just pushing their own candidate, hell-bent on, you know, whatever the people want. Um, you know, uh, calling people in Iowa, nine out of ten people loving Bernie, the numbers saying, you know, same thing, and, and then here we are with some glitch in the system, and, you know, it's just, it's infuriating. I'm reading his book, uh, Where We Go From Here, and on page 20, it talks about the revelation that the DNC and Clinton and Donna Brazil conspired to, you know, uh, basically cheat him out of his, uh, you know, primary season. We wouldn't even be here in this in this horrible nightmare if uh, the DNC would have just let Bernie, uh, you know, have have the, the nomination that that he would have had. He polls better than Trump then, and he's polling better than Trump now. And these these people, uh, you know, just refuse to see the writing on the wall. You know, they make the same old arguments about Biden, and now they're going to, you know, Biden didn't didn't cut it, so now they're going to throw Bloomberg in the ring, and they think that that the young progressives are going to go for Bloomberg. They're going to, you know, it's 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 infuriating. So that's that's my comment. I'm just sitting here, like holding my breath, waiting for the results to come in, but. You know, some some crap about the app, you know, please. This overgrown Boy Scout Buttigieg, you know, (laughs) is really going to, like, get the American, you know, uh, that, that, uh, you know, can't make ends meet. He's going to speak to them. It's it's ridiculous. um, I'm just frustrated that, you know, that they're doing the same thing again as they did in 2016, which is which is cheat, which is cheat. Oh, that's it. <laughs> well, I want to thank you very much for your call, and I, th- I think those are some important comments. Uh, I think it is uh, really important to, one, recognize that are, there are all these forces that are allied against any movement for socialism or the Bernie campaign, and that if you're fighting for working people in this country, you're going to face a lot of opposition, a lot of entrenched power against you, but... That is not impossible to overcome. That while the DNC will throw every trick in the book, and I think it's also crucial to know that they're kind of in disarray. Their chosen candidate had definitely had a disastrous night, and that Pete Buttigieg uh, and I uh, really like that nickname that you uh, use for him, or description, I guess maybe is the better word. Um, while he had, it looks like he's had some success in Iowa, maybe coming close to Sanders, that he has no support outside of um, 
really the white community and that you can't win a Democratic primary with only white people voting for you. Uh, so we'll, we'll see how much, how much further beyond New Hampshire he can go. And I believe we have another caller on the line. You're live on Revolutions Per Minute. What's your name and what's your question or comment? Hello. I'm on the line. Yes, you're on the line. We can hear you. I'm calling from Brooklyn. Uh, to the young lady who's running for Senate, what is her take on the, the bail reform law that's been in place? Look like they're trying to overturn it. I mean, you have some of the Democrats up there that's trying to say that, uh, you know, it was a big mistake and we should go back and revisit it. Who are the, who are the Democrats that are, that are jumping board? Is it possible we can target them in our next election? Um, so thank you very much for that question. Uh, the I know that uh, Farah, if you want to jump in on the on the mm-hmm. bail reform, the, it was a it was a big policy uh, part of the criminal criminal justice reform, and there's been a lot of propaganda thrown out there mm-hmm. by the mm-hmm. like the police and their their union, which and it's I don't police unions are. Uh, weird phrase. Do you want to do you want to go ahead on this? Yeah, I'll just say this though. With the bell reform, I think a lot of people are, are misunderstanding the thing. Like bell is not designed to keep you in jail. Bell is just to make sure you come for your court date. Regardless, rich people would just pay their bill anyways and be out on the street. So I think that when we talk, talk about bail, there's been this misunderstanding like this is supposed to keep, you know, bad people off the streets. No, it's just to keep rich people off out of jail. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think th- thinking about this in class terms is really, really crucial because it's these bail laws who suffers are poor people and it's and pe- working class people. The rich are able to get around the law. So the maybe the local news and again, it's the corporate media will put out some like crazy headline where it's like, oh, this dangerous person was running around and that will maybe create some outrage in the police, mm-hmm. especially the PB will start talking about oh this is uh we got we these dangerous people are on the streets when also for one cops have been caught killing people and raping people and having no consequence for that but the real dangerous people in our society are the extremely wealthy people who continually get away with doing horrible things, horrible things. and pay have no consequences for it so jail is and bail are not um, about containing the dangerous people they're about containing working class people especially people from communities of color who have suffered the most under the draconian mass incarceration regime uh i believe that we have another caller you're live on revolutions per minute what's your name and what's your question or comment I'm trying to get on the air. Can you hear? You're, you're cut, down, on cut down your radio caller. All right. I'm trying to get on the air. Yeah, you're hearing yourself. Cut down your radio, please. I did. Okay, my question, I'm, what I want to make a comment about is the Democratic Party. I don't, they will never allow Bernie Sanders to be president. Okay. Um, is, is that your comment? Uh, yes. All right. Uh, well, thank you for your call. I think I was trying to elaborate on this before. Is that I think it's crucial to not think of the Democratic Party as like this um, these master manipulators 
uh, it's pretty clear that they're very incompetent in a lot of ways and that they are deeply internally divided. If the Democratic Party got everything they want, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez would not be in Congress. And I could go down a long list of recent elected if uh, someone like Julia Salazar here in New York. And that's why we have people like Farah Soufran Forrest, who's with us today, running for office. The Democratic Party always got the they want. These people would never be able to win. What it is is they have a lot of power and they have donors and they can use their institutional power to push back. But it is not impossible to overcome. They are not as a coherent and Machiavellian as um, they want you to believe. They want you to believe that you can't fight back against them at the ballot box. Will fighting against them at the ballot box be enough? No, we need working class power institutions to counter the donor base of the Democratic Party. And Farah, would you like to add yeah, to that at all? I wanted to add, like, just if you're focusing on Bernie, that's that's up to you. But I, just look at in terms of local politics and seeing how Bernie gets up there is because people like me continue to support the fight. Like, who would have said a nurse, a girl from Crown Heights who grew up right there, okay, that really nothing says that I should or could be putting up a campaign right now this is this is why it's so important for people to get woke and stay woke understand that the times are changing like people like bernie are are going to win because there's a movement behind him a movement that is based on power redistributing power it is no longer this idea of dnc controlling everything no People will control everything. We will let our votes, we will cast our ballots, and we will make our voices be heard. Um, I really, really want our listeners to understand that. Like, the times are different. It's it's a new, new, new system coming on. We are bringing the alternative, an alternative where candidates like Bernie, candidates like Farah Soufran Forrest, Jabari Brisport, Marcellus Matanus, Boris Santos, Zoran Maldani will win and thrive. <laughs> so that was uh, that could be a perfect ending, but we have like a like another thirty seconds. So if you want to add any last comments, we'd uh, love to. Like send our listeners off with what you have to say. Yeah, I just really want. Um, I'm just really want people to understand that this is an exciting time. This is a place where I, I think when we talk about socialism, we understand that every identity can live under this umbrella. Um, it's an idea that there is power in just who you are and what you stand for, whether you're LGBTQ, brown, black, I don't care who you are, but this is, there's a place for you. And when you show up and you be present, that this is how we make our community work. And it will always thrive because you matter. And it's going to be awesome. <laughs> I, I think it's going to be awesome, too. That was a great way to end the episode. Thank you so much for joining us, Farah. It, it was really fun talking to you today, and we will keep our listeners updated on your campaign, the rest of the NYC DSA squads campaign, the Bernie campaign, as well as the fights that are going on in the streets, in workplaces, in people's homes, all across New York City, the country, in the world. So you've been listening to Revolutions Per Minute on listener-sponsored WBAI in New York City, broadcasting at 99.5 FM, and we'll be back next week, Tuesday at 5 p.m. Thank you for joining us.